On today's episode of Rise, Grind, Repeat, we talk to Hans from Colt Artisan Beverage. Talk about the ups and downs of growing a local beverage company. Let's dive right in. Hans, thank you so much for joining on another episode of Rise, Grind, Repeat. I'm I'm excited, uh, just digging up some of your your history, just how much you uh, you know enjoy the leadership side, the need for leaders in America, kind of what you're doing with with Colt, where you're at now, a huge Arizona company. You know, I'm an Arizona native, and so I love when things in Arizona are just uh, you know rocking and rolling. But before we go too deep into that, I'd love to just hear your history. How did how did you start as an entrepreneur, and kind of what is your your backstory? Well, we'll try not to put your listeners asleep, but uh, <laughs> hey, I grew up in the food business. It's just that simple. I was a military brat. My father's in the Air Force. We moved around the, country, the United States. He was in Strategic Air Command. He was a navigator on B-52s, believe it or not. So it's, and uh, their job was to make sure that the that other big nasty red tide didn't come over and mm-hmm. do anything. And they had the big bomb on board. So they came over, we oh. went over, you know, yeah. and so yeah. it was crazy. But so I, I lived in a few different places, but I, I, got, I just fell in the food business as a young age and loved it. And Got a business degree and and uh, worked in the hotel business and uh, the restaurant hotel business, and that really parlayed into what got me into a really holistic view of the, of the industry is getting the food distribution side of things. And I worked for the parent company that became U.S. Foods. The S in U.S. Foods is the S in the company I worked for called White Swan, out of Texas back in the late '80s. A lot of people in the room made me more born then. <laughs> so I'm probably 57, but learned a ton, dragged a bag in the back of restaurants and hospitals and hotels and prisons and you name it. And they were in the wholesale food service business. I knew them. And so my career just took off and I got moved. I got hired by a company headquartered out of Seattle called Food Services of America. And I ended up working for them almost 21 years. And they hired me out of Texas to Alaska. Then I went to Alaska, Oregon, Montana, Nevada, Idaho. And then, then, then Arizona. And I was a young division president in Idaho. It was a beautiful place. And, and then uh, uh, got told I was being moved to corporate. And I said, no, I don't want to be one of those guys. I like being in the, I like being with the, you know, the hardworking people, not the ones that think that they're that smart. And the third time I said, no, the owner said, the, the moving truck will be at your house on this day. <laughs> There's no choice. Right. And he was a billionaire. So then people get confused about what it's like to work for somebody like that. I tell them, no, it's pretty much all those things you hear. And uh, the Stewart family was that way. They took great care of me. And I, I learned uh, going through that whole shift, you know, you just see a lot of everything. And so I learned a ton and I worked for some great people and worked for a couple of skunks. But that's, you know, you learn a lot from both. Right. And, and it gave me an opportunity to get involved in some amazing projects with my work, some amazing projects outside of my work. I got to help start a nonprofit for at-risk youth that's still thriving today. And and I spoke at the first 16 graduations and I got to plan a collegiate bowl, a football game on a bowl game on, in Boise on the Smurf turf, on the blue turf there at, at Boise State and got to speak at the players at the dinner with all the teams and go, you know, help award the humanitarian award. And, and, you know, I just a slew of things that this little knucklehead from Texas uh, growing up in a military family sh- should never have had the opportunity to do. Uh, and so I, you know, I just feel blessed and I, I left my big corporate job. I spent a lot of time in a Lear 35 buzzing around the country. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it's basically a cigar tube with a jet engine strapped on it. Uh, we, we, we worked hard five, six days a week on the road and had an idea for a concept and a technology play for the industry, for the food service industry to untangle some knots that were in the industry and took the plunge. And what I didn't realize I was taking a vow of poverty, but I took the plunge to build that company and started building it, went through a process, kind of sort of went the process to get bought. And it ended up being a made for television movie where at the end of the deal, I didn't realize that I got removed from the industry because I had made some enemies mm-hmm. that was going to like turn the lights on in some rooms that nobody wanted. It. They wanted to keep them dark. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. And I, I sat across the table from the guy that said, I finally said, you know, you, you have no intent on closing this deal, do you? He says, well, Hans, I know this is going to hurt but it's going to be a great lesson and you're going to grow from this. I'm like, get to the punchline. Yeah. He goes, well, we know you're out of money and we know you can't sue us. And so we just wish you the best. Jeez, and I just ruthless. like, right. Um, if it had been like a Tom and Jerry cartoon, I would have fallen apart in about 20 pieces. <laughs> but you know, I, I walked around my neighborhood. It was about 119,000 degrees and, and here in Phoenix. And I walked around and I thought, all right, a breakdowns lead to breakthroughs. Right. And I was, but I was mad. I was really mad. And my wife's like, you know, I was like, 
just, you need to give me about an hour. So I, I literally walked around, was profusely sweating, didn't have my sunglasses on, didn't put on my hat. And then I just thought, you know what, something's going to happen. And the very next day, a buddy of mine called and said, hey, I, I, I heard you sold your business. I hope it went well. I'm like, not really. Because <laughs> there's these guys out of Australia. They're doing something just like what you were doing. They needed a, a domestic U.S. guy that has, knows the industry, blah, blah, blah. Uh, do you have their phone number handy? And he's like, <laughs> so I'll call them right now. Anyway, so we got this thing. Literally the next day I was in a lunch meeting. They offered me the COO position. Long story short, the company never went anywhere. They went back to Australia, but the, the chief investor in the business was the guy's company I run today. Wow. That's, I mean, what, it's that, unbelievable. That everything happens for a reason. And I mean, it's, it's, it's so tough to not get, you know, so focused on the, the negative. I mean, it's, the focus on the negative makes you blind to the opportunity that might be right around the corner. Absolutely. Um, you know, you can only look your wounds for so long and then, cause everybody, things happen. People fall down, people get up, great things happen to bad people, bad things happen to great people yeah. and everything in between. So, so I was, uh, I felt very, I was very thankful and I, I dove in and, and this great little company, it was Coffee Reserve was a parent company and, and the owner said, Hey, what do you think? And I took a look and I was like, well, there's five things we need to do. If you're willing to do those five things, I'd love to help you do it. Yeah. So that's how it all got started. And so now that is, you are. Right. So spring of 2016, we, we, uh, you know, we, we, we spit in our hands and shook hands. You know, we did the, the old, uh, the old fashioned blood oath thing. <laughs> and uh, so we just, we attacked the business and we had to create a brand because yep. the company was a company, but we light labeled products for all these like Shamrock Foods and Nicholas Foods, these big C store. Nobody knew who Coffee Reserve was. Made great products, but we had to create a brand because we needed that equity. So we created Colt, and Colt initially was Colt Coffee Roasters. Had a really cool vibe, yeah. but then we're like, well, we do a lot more than roast coffee. <laughs> so we had to evolve that, and that's where it ended up. It's a mouthful, Colt Artisan Beverage Company. The whole idea is like, you know, like with, with Nike, all you have to look at is the swoosh, right? Uh, BMW, pick your iconic brand. Yeah. Clearly, we're not there, but we designed it so that everything could fall off, and it would just be our our red circle with colt in it no that's that that's awesome there's so much to navigate i mean uh just unpacking all of that i mean it's so you're here now but kind of going going back i mean it sounds like you've gone through the ranks pretty quickly i mean uh now you're ceo of this company the biggest thing that that's interesting is i mean corporate startups and all that you've gone through the experience of startup small business to corporate and then uh it sounds like this was a, a startup that um you know, you had to build from the ground as well. So, I mean, what is that like? What are the things that you liked, didn't like in startup world and corporate world? Well, I do tell people I'm a recovering corporate executive. Hello, <laughs> my name is Hans. And I've had lots of opportunities to go back into that world. I got a lot of buddies around the country and I just tell them, hey, I appreciate it. And they throw a lot of money. I appreciate it. And I wish you the best. But I, I, until I, that's the only thing I can do to feed my family, I will never go back. So how's that for a, a big... <laughs> Uh, yeah, a pound the table statement. Yeah. But, and Colt's been around, uh, been roasting coffee since 97. So this is not a startup company, although it went through a major facelift. It went through a strategic shift. Um, we had some customer issues we had to make go away. We had some new customer. We had, then we had, then the thing where I told them was, look, you do a great job in coffee, you do a great job in tea, but we have to innovate. You know, the, the consumer's always moving. The consumer's always looking. And so, if the, you know, they're all saying, can we look around the corner? You know, we got some ideas, some things. And, you know, we've had some hits. We've had some misses. But uh, the, the, I think that, the, and, and it's a great question you asked about going from corporate. And I worked for a small family business through high school, through college. Matter of fact, I put myself to college. When I graduated, the owner of this little restaurant company showed up with a car for me. Wow. It wasn't mine. Wow. It was his. It was a company's. But I hadn't had a car in four years and he threw me the keys and he, and he gave me the look. I'm like, you know, I did the me because I've been bumming rides for four years. which so really stunk. And he's and he gave me the, you know, the nod and the wink. And so, uh, you know, again, I was just in a great place. And so going through all that, you really have to go through a mental shift to go from a corporate environment to running a business. And whether you own it yourself or you're in a small family business and you run it for a family, because. I had a corporate credit card. I get it up to fifty or sixty thousand in a month sometimes, and it kept working. <laughs> wow! I have a wow. company court, court, company credit card now too, and I get it to fifty or sixty dollars sometimes in a month. <laughs> in decline, and sometimes it works because <laughs> we buy a lot of equipment on it. So uh, we made a big equipment purchase the day before. They was like, "I'm sorry, sir, your card's not going through." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> hey, I got another one." You know, and so it's a whole different ball game. I signed the paychecks. I said, you know, and, and so. And anybody that's owned a business, and there's millions and millions of people have, realize how real it is and how 
right now it is. And so I, you know, I, I wished that I could have learned that I had to go through my own transition mentally uh, to understand that, you know, a pure startup is very different from a corporate entity. And it was about a $3 billion company. We had almost 5,000 employees. It wasn't small. And when I made it to corporate, I was one of the senior execs. And so we ran five different companies and it was insane. But to now run a small family business for the family, they don't operate it. They just own it. And 16, 17 employees, a couple of parts, you know. And so it's like, it's this whole different thing. And you do have to wrap your mind around that everything you do has to be intentional. Everything you're doing needs to matter today. And you still have to be strategic. But it's uh, in, in, our small business, in our small business, one of the things I loved about this company is they just made phenomenal product and a lot of long term. Now we've grown, so we've added some people. But when I first got there, the tenure in our production area was about 14 years. Wow, that's huge. Unheard of. Yeah, yeah. And the guy that runs our beverage, to beverage, our VP of beverage today has been with the company 19 years. One of the most amazing men I've ever worked with. I don't think you've met him, Chris Marcito. And, and he's been a master roaster. He's been roasting coffee for almost 29 years, and he's a master roaster. He's one of the top guys in the West. Everybody in the business knows him. We're lucky to have him, and he's a great guy. He's a great guy to work with. He's hardworking. So he apprenticed for 10 years to get this role. The guy that's our senior roaster now apprenticed for 10 years under him to replace him as our senior roaster. And so we've had this great succession plan. And I, and I can't even tell you it's strategic, but because it's a great place to work, we have people that just hang out, yeah. right? They stick, they stick around. We all know each other. We all love each other. We fight through the hard stuff. We celebrate the good stuff. And I don't expect somebody making... 15, 18, $21 an hour to have the same passion I do. You know, I love that quote when the, there's this, uh, the guy's speaking to a bunch of business owners and the guy raises his hand. He says, well, you know, I got a question for you. How do I get my staff to be as passionate about my company as I am? And the guy says, oh, it's super simple. Pay them what you pay yourself. <laughs> Funny how that And they'll be super quick. passionate just like you. And the guy's like, well, I can't do that. You know, so, but the point's made that, you know, you, so you, everybody has, you know, you talked about the leadership thing. It's everybody has a place. Everybody's got a role and responsibility. And understanding that, that, uh, you know, treating people, just treating them like, like, like people, like teammates, I mean, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. And, you know, I mean, yeah. And it just, it's a huge thing knowing first names and knowing wives' names and kids' names and all that jazz. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I grew up playing baseball and it's, it's amazing how you can have top talent, but if the locker room isn't there, you don't know each other on a personal level. It's, no matter how great that talent is, you don't win that championship. And I've been on teams where it's just like, no one's really an all-star, but we came together and it's that camaraderie, that, that teamwork that helped, you know, everyone had the same direction, same vision. And I think that does so much better than, than just having a group of all-stars that don't have the same vision, really. I've made a living out of hiring outliers. Really? I have. And it's created stress most of the places I've been because they don't work inside the box super well. Not that they're not good teammates, yeah. but they're not like everybody else. And, and, um, so I, you know, I, I get that because you, you get a bunch of all-stars they are not always, you know, they're, it, it, it can create that. Yeah. I, I was in a sport, it was an individual sport, but I, I watched, uh, the U S modern pentathlon team and some of these guys, um, you know, eat each other yeah. and yeah. struggle, yeah. struggle internationally because they couldn't, they couldn't do yeah. things that they should be doing to have each other's backs. Yeah. And speaking of, of vision and, and long-term success, I mean, knowing that you kind of had to go through a whole rebranding of, of Colt, I mean, yeah. that's. That's tough. I mean, especially whenever you're small. I mean, any rebranding typically is it takes a lot of resources and resources and money to make it happen. I mean, what was that process like, especially going from the corporate <laughs> level to here and like, all right, guys, we're going to go do this. How do you do it? I mean, on what would, was probably a shoestring budget compared to uh, the corporate it business. No but, budget. <laughs> it was, so it, how, it how, was did you, how did you guys leave that? Couch cushion change. Well, that's another fun story. Um, we knew we needed to change. Right before I got involved with the company, they tried to go through a rebrand and it was like a dirty diaper. I mean, it was so bad and everything about it was bad. And so you met Taylor on our, uh, as a friend of mine, he's a graphic design, creative director guy. We worked together in a corporate thing. He went and started his own company. And after I left, he helped me with all the stuff I've done since then. And I have a lot of respect for him and in his design and his eye. And we're trying to come up with a name for the company and being a, a, a ex-corporate executive, a recovering corporate executive. I had on my dry erase board, you know, culture, cultivate, you know, all these powerful corporate words. Like, I like that. And he's like, Hans, there's, there's 8 billion companies that have some version of that trademark. You can't do it. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. so I was getting frustrated. So the beverage guy 
was sitting next to me. We're in my office and Taylor says, okay, beverage guy, in one sentence, what are you trying to get accomplished at this company? And he said, that's simple. We want to create products that are so good, they create a cult-like following. So Taylor went up to my board, erased the word, I don't remember his culture or cultivate, down to C-U-L-T. Got on his laptop, did the mad scientist thing. And he, we sat there and watched him for 10 minutes. I'm like, you know, you want to talk? He goes, Psh. you know, he was swishing me. Yeah. And he says, I just got eight domains and blah, blah, blah. And we, you're now Colt Coffee Roaster. How's that sound? And I've already designed a simple, a mock-up logo in 10 minutes. Wow. And I'm like, book it. It's awesome. Yeah. So I went and told the owner and he's like, oh, he almost had a coronary. And he's, then he told his sweet sister, who was a marketing executive in New York, was Madison Avenue. Oh, wow. She did jingles for Oreo. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Mm. And she said, yeah, what about that Jim Jones guy? They're going to, this isn't, you're in a beverage business <laughs> and you got this stuff uh -huh. and you're in like. Drinking the Kool-Aid. <clears throat> you could just have faith. Yeah. And now it's funny because he tells a story about how when we, we branded the company and when we came up with this idea, which I love it because he complete ownership and it was a little risky, but man, people love it today and uh -huh. it's iconic and it's going to be, we're going to be in the beverage world and we're going to be everywhere and every shelf and all they're going to do is look at the round circle and say, ah, oh, did you get your cult today? And I'm like, you just go, Rick. You go, yeah, man. Yeah. You go. This is beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, a little bit of luck, a little bit of risk, a little bit of fear. But that, that's kind of how we, we grunted that out. And we've been really happy. And people love it. I was going to say, what is the feedback like? I mean, I, I mean hearing all that, that feedback, it could go great. It could, I mean, it is definitely our customers risky. customers love it. You know, not all of our customers say who they partner with. Some do. Some don't. I get that. I respect that. We got a new place opening right now. And it's not this cup. But... On one side of the cup is Colt logo. On the other side of the cup, they said, hey, can you put our logo? And so we did it collaboratively. And it's a beautiful, big, white, heavy mug. And they're opening in a couple of weeks. And so we're like, hey, we should start doing that with other people because now we get branded, they get branded, you know. And we floated the idea to a few and they're like, oh, we love it. So people have anything we put our logo on, they want it. And I was buying hats and beanies and hoodies and T-shirts and my, my our our, our Clothing apparel guy said, hey, here's some shorts, here's some boxes. I'm like, time out. We're not that far yet. But uh, uh, I can't. We, we don't sell it. We just have been giving it away. And give it, we have amazing customers, amazing customers, uh, operators all over the valley. And they love it. They love it. And I love it when I'm out and I see somebody wearing one of our things. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you know the cold guy? I don't even tell him who I am. You know, you know the cold guy? Yeah, what a cool company. I'm like, yeah, they make great product. You know, we're like, oh. you know, and I just let it, I just let it go. I just let it be. That's awesome. No, that's definitely a, a cool story. Um, and kind of going back a little bit before the rebranding, I, I love that you mentioned the white labeling. It's, it, it's how we kind of got started as white labeling for, for other agencies, but you kind of get pushed into the, you do great work, but no one knows it's you doing it. And it's tough because it, it does generate revenue that helps you grow, but kind of getting out from under that is difficult. What was that like going from, from, you know, white labeling to growing the own brand and trying not to create, you know, burn bridges and relationships? Well, it's a business model strategy, right? Mm -hmm. You got to just figure out who you want to be and think about what does two years, five years-ish look like. But past five years, it's kind of hard. I you keep getting a vision of the beach and somebody bringing you, you know, drinks with umbrellas on it. Uh -huh. But uh, it, you, you, I think you have to figure out who you want to be and then you have to go attack that. And I knew that the growth that we wanted, that we had to build, the reason why I got involved with Colt is I just, I saw that mental picture of how they, we have, we have this, the people, we have the facility, this beautiful 16,000 square foot facility, amazing equipment. We need more equipment. That's a tactical thing, right? You know, our bank will fund it and we'll get another road. We'll get whatever it is. And so can we take this and scale it? And if we take it and scale it, what are we scaling to the consumer? Yep. And so we had to come up with something that, could be iconic and that's really really hard to do <laughs> yeah right nope. that's really nope. hard to do and most of the time it's not and people do emotional things and you see a lot of bad labels and brands and names and all that stuff so i've always because i had the corporate experience and worked on a, on a national level and had a lot of exposure to you know the kellogg's of the worlds and simplots and tyson foods and richest all these people and all their i knew all their guys that did all that work and I, the people that did that work at my company rolled up to me not that i did it but smart people that did it but i got to say i like that i don't like you know that kind of thing so you know you learn you learn along the way and i knew that that we had to have that if we built a brand and then we really started pushing our brand and getting out in the market and we before the pandemic we did all kinds of events i could go through and name big clients we have today that i met me serving at an event and again my i'm new and i'm hans i'm new and i'm trying nobody knew who i was 
I want it that way, but I wanted to see reactions to our products. And uh, which was great because I could tell, you know, I could, we could tether things or we could speed things up or slow things down, depending on reactions. And, and uh, we had to have a brand that people, because now people are like, oh, Colt, you know, that's all they say. And so it was, it was very, very intentional. And we got a little lucky. Yeah. Right. So let's be honest. Yeah. Right. People like it. And I think we can, I think we can scale it. And we've got some new products we're launching uh, outside of our core of coffees and teas and this cool category called botanicals. We got some new products we're launching um, from those core products that'll be nationally uh, launched products that, again, this, our logo is going to become um, iconic and that's our goal. And if we build, we build that value in the brand, then we build value in the company. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a lot of a lot of big decisions that you've made have been a little bit of hunch, a little bit of luck, a little bit of risk. I mean, how do you navigate the decision making? I mean, you again, big corporations. <laughs> um, it's tough. And I think a lot, I mean, our the audience is a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners, and I think have a difficult time making not only just a decision, but sticking with it and being intentional and running with it. I mean, it's the mindset thing, personally, I think, but I mean, how do you kind of navigate It is that? a mindset. I do, because of my experience, I do think you have to plan. You have to think about where everything's going to be purposeful, right? And you think about, well, what am I doing? What's the, what's the echo of this action? What's the, what's the good things that can happen? What are the unintended consequences? And a lot of times you can think of some, and then something will happen and you're like, oh, we didn't think of that. You know, that's why it's called unintended, con unintended consequence. And so, but I think you have to be very intentional and just think about what is it you want to do. Not everybody wants to be, listen, everything we have says made in Arizona on it for a reason. We're absolutely proud to be an Arizona company. This company got started in Arizona. It's owned by an Arizona family. It's run by people that live in Arizona. We don't have anybody that lives anywhere else. We all work in the same facility. We're super proud. And even, even with that said, some people, you know, when we show products to California, we, we're in about 30 states with different clients. There's people that look at some of our retail stuff that are like, hey, you know, you really think you ought to have that on there? And we're like, yes, because people say, hey, that's really cool. Wow, I want to know where my stuff's coming from. And as it turns out, made in Arizona is, it, people have reacted in a way that I've been overwhelmed in a good way. And they're like, they, they think it's the coolest thing that we put that on our products. I mean, and, and here's a kind of a tongue in cheek thing, you know, Arizona iced tea is made in New Jersey. And so it's like, <laughs> I it's, you're, you're almost like lying, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you know, we're just going to play around someday. We're not playing around. You know, we are from Arizona. We make really great products. We're going to call it out on the label. We're going to tell you who we are. And we don't have QC labels with like butterflies or dragonflies or, you know, a coffee bean with things sprouting out of it. And we're just, that's not, you know, we're, that's not what we're, that's not what we are. We, we think a little bigger. We, we have a slew of local customers and we would be nothing without them. And, and they are amazing. They're scrappy, hardworking operators. We have local chains. We have regional chains. We have national chains. We got into retail, which, which really was a blessing because that thing called COVID, right, yeah. really hurt our food service clients. And so it's uh, – you asked the question about the brand thing and about how do you make that decision. I think that owners have to – people that have a business got to sit back and say, what's realistic? And if that's where I want to go now, if you – I always – I do some consulting work. And I say, here's where we are. What, where's there? Yeah. And they tell me where there is. So if you know where there is and you can be honest about where here is, now you can, you can create a, a bridge or draw a map to get there. If you don't know where there is or it's something that's ridiculous, and if you're not honest about where here is, you just can't make those steps going forward. So if you, if you do the here, there, and you really know what you're trying to do, then now you can be, you can be a little bit more methodical about how you, how you attack that. And you get there, then you make the next there. Here, there changes, right? And here, there changes, and here, there changes. And that's a good thing. That's progress. That's movement. Sometimes things happen, like COVID. How many companies pivoted? Yeah. Millions? Yeah. I mean, well, hopefully all of them. I mean, obviously that wasn't the case, but I mean, it forced a lot right. of a lot, lot of people of had to sit back and go, you know, I caraba, what do I do now? How do uh -huh. I deal with this? Uh. A lot of people, I know, you know, we have lots of friends in business that went away. Nah. I got friends in the distribution industry that are struggling and that, and, and all throughout the supply chain that have just gotten hammered. My, I got friends that run big companies like Rich's Food Products and, and Nestle. So the CEO yeah. of Nestle yeah. North America laid, had to lay off fifty percent of his staff. Yeah, that would be so tough, it, brutal. Yeah, think about it. Yeah, They're, you're not cutting 
you're cutting five bone. six people that's 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 yeah that's a big workforce and i mean it's you right. know families that they have right I mean, it's and so it, you know it's, it hurt and yeah. it hurt me to see that happen and to see what we've gone through and and so i i hope that we get our arms around this but you know getting back to that question i think the owners just have to be very intentional you just can't run by this you can run by the seat of your pants because there's a lot going on so you're mm-hmm. multitasking but you got to know where you're trying to go otherwise you're, you're going to work 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 like crazy and at the end of the day you're gonna be like ah, you know i don't feel like i accomplished anything yeah. i know that I'm, I'm being master of the obvious but it's uh a lot of our clients our customers will come in and sit in my office and close the door and say hey i need some help really can you help me with this and that and so i we get up on the dry erase yeah. board and i start with here there yeah and we break it down to really basic simple things and and most of the time we're done you know we we hug and and <laughs> say just keep buying our coffee please and they leave and you know and, and that's that's kind of how that goes yeah i mean it, it it's having a plan of attack and knowing where you want to go and it's it's not making decision making in the moment just to make that decision but it's who are you trying to serve what problems are you trying to solve and based off of how i'm going to make this decision is that going to produce the outcome that i want i think more times than not it's everyone especially business owners you get so stuck in the day-to-day that it's tough to come up for air and, and look I mean, 30 days out, hey, 90 I'm, days out. I'm I mean, guilty of it all the time. Yeah. Even with the things that I've done in my past. But it's it's intoxicating to run a, a living, breathing company as opposed to a big corporate entity. Yeah. I, I was a professional meeting attendee. Really? Most people I, in corporate are. You're professional. Yeah. You go to a lot of meetings. Yeah. You take some random stupid notes. <laughs> and then you follow up with a couple of email. I mean, and, mm-hmm. and peop, you know, and it's like the old uh, decisions by committee. You know, they, they ask for a horse and a camel comes out. It's... Because everybody has to have a voice and you have to have consensus yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. And it's, you know, there's some benefit to that, but there's also, there's some rough spots for that. It's tough. I mean, when I, the last agencies I used to work for, I mean, it was national brands and it would be so tough to like give, give, you know, what we think is good strategy, a lot of agreement there, but then it has to go through the bureaucracy and that might not be what another department is intentional about right now. It was and green it's just... around. Now it's red and square. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the CEO. Uh, okay. <laughs> got it. Yep. You know, it's not going to work anyway. Yeah. It's okay. Just do your best. That, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's what got tough. And, and, uh, I mean, it, there, there are pros and cons to it, but it, I could see where it gets difficult because you're very much, it seems like a doer, go, go get things done, have that vision, figure out how to get there. And then kind of getting held up with bureaucracy would get, get frustrating. Yeah. It, yeah. And you know, <laughs> what I loved about it is I never, we, I never saw anything bounce. You know, the checkbook was big, big yeah. and fat. And yeah. there's a bunch of really smart people sat in a room that they only, they locked the door from the outside. They did all the finances and, and whatnot. And so, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. Again, yeah. it comes down to what is it you're trying to accomplish? And if you're a business owner, you're probably not a multi-billion dollar company because then you have a board and you're, you know, you got to, you're run by a, a, not a, not an advisory board, but a board that's running the company and whole different model. But if you're yeah. a local business or a regional business, or you're starting to do things that's traversing the um, uh, interstate um, you got to make tough, you got tough decisions you got to make yeah. every day and you got to pay attention. And, you know, data is not as easy to get, you know, mm-hmm. we have an old ERP system. I won't say who it's from. I would like to, <laughs> don't ever use them. Um, but we have a hard time getting data out of it. It's simple uh, stuff. And so my CFO has to build these, you know, like mm, the string telephone yeah, thing. Yeah. And we got big stuff going on right now. We're, we're doing a fundraise to launch a new category that we're working on that you have a little bit of knowledge on. <laughs> And, you know, we have to be professionals and we have to pro- provide professional information and, yep. and things like that. And, and so as, as a small business owner, you got to you got to pay attention to those things. Yeah, no, I can agree. I, I Data in real time. That's a huge goal of ours to do it for every business. I mean, it's it's crazy that yeah, you got to take 30 days and figure out what's going on. It's by the time you get the data to make that decision, the what you're making a decision on, it's it's not as relevant as it could be. I mean, it's or it's. it's or you get bad data <laughs> that and that's, you're, you're going to the left and you should have gone right, yeah. you know? And so yep. see that more times than not. Um, but I mean, you've done such a great job, you know, rebranding this, you know, helping run Colt. You've, uh, you know, been an executive at, at a multi-billion dollar company. What are your thoughts on just the overall, I guess, trajection of, of American leader or not American, but America leaders just at the corporate level, just leadership in America. How do you think that that's trending? Oh, are we in a good you spot? Picked a, or you we... picked a really interesting time to ask that question. <laughs> I, I well, I think it is because I think there's a lot that's being exposed through COVID on on the leaders and how they're they're operating their business, how they're navigating moving forward, how they're taking care or not taking care of employees. I mean, there's a lot. I don't really think you can look at m- mega company CEOs and look for leadership because all the some of the things we talked about a little bit their hands are tied, a little bit the boards are running them. 
um, you know, the whole profit over, you know, people, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's, a, there's truth to that. But there are also great companies. Tell me how many books they have that have to do with the subject of leadership. A couple hundred, uh, 20,000. 148,000. And, you know, so you think about it. You think that all 148,000 of those books are the same? Of course not. But there's some themes that have to be similar. There's some themes that have to be based, you know, character-based and, and integrity and trust. And, but you, as a leader, you still got to make tough decisions, right? I mean, you think about the guy from Nestle that had to lay off the big workforce because international, because it's, it's not an American company, said, hey, you got to, you know, and how hard and gut-wrenching that moment was. Does that make him a bad leader? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, you go through those times and you just literally want to gouge your own eyes out and you, you come out of it. You're a little, you're a little more hardened, but you're also, you, you understand how to deal with that. And then part of the, the reflection you is how was it handled? How was it dealt with? How were those people treated? And I know how they were treated. They're all treated fairly. And so I think leadership is such a broad topic. You know, where do you want to talk about it? You want to talk about it as a coach, as a mentor, as a boss, as a teacher, they all have a little bit different role, right? And, you know, you think about, you know, the, one of the things I like to talk about, you talk about two people that moved people. And if somebody can move a country and may change a world and somebody can move minds and hearts and change a trajectory, are they both great leaders? They have would, leadership would, skills, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, one's Adolf Hitler and one's Martin Luther King Jr. So Hitler almost took over the world. He didn't do that because he was a bad leader. His character was bad. Right? That's, yeah. So you got to, you know, there's a lot of things that tie into this. And, and it's a fun topic that I, I could talk your ears off about. Um, so when you think about the, the four C's of leadership, character is a foundational piece. Credibility, competency, character. Character is a, is, a, is a foundational piece. And if your character is bad, it doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. It just, it doesn't matter. You can get results. You can have the, you can have all the stuff and all the, the obvious success things that we say they're success, cars, clothing, family, whatever, money, whatever you want to say that that's what success looks like. But if, uh, if they have bad character and have bad, you know, bad morals and all, all those other words that go in that category, you know, and I, it's my, my humble opinion that it doesn't mean squat. It's just flash. And it's, uh, and so when you ask that question about leaders is you gotta go, you gotta really have to dig, peel the onion to go see what people are doing and understand. And Hey, listen, I, I've got a history in my life where I went through a really rough time, did some really stupid things, some major failures, I've had some great successes, you know, so you can, you, 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 you have a, a group of guys that I work with outside of work that we just, is kind of, it's like a men's club thing. And a lot of them are, are walking wounded and I love them because when you go through fire, you know how bad fire hurts. And so we can be very real and they, you know, I kind of mentor them a little bit, but we can be very real about life as opposed to this macho, you know, you know, I'm shucking and jiving thing. And so, and then we talk about how to be men in leadership and all that kind of stuff and the real authentically to the real guttural parts of that. And it's tough. It's tough. Sometimes, you know, you get put in a situation, you got to make some decisions. But anyway, yeah. I'm going to, yeah. I love rabbit holes. So I just went down <laughs> about four rabbit holes and then one no. simple question from yeah. you. No, I mean, I, I like it all and I, I, I couldn't agree more. And that being said, I mean, you brought up mentorship, just kind of helping lead. You, you mentioned you've done consulting. Uh, mentorship has come up a lot recently on, on the podcast, especially as kind of the dark time in the last nine, 10 months. I mean, it's, it's forced a lot of people to navigate things differently. I mean, how big is mentorship and, and really pushing a business forward? I mean, are you a big proponent of, of people getting mentorship in order to help them navigate? As you mentioned, you're big on we're here. I want to be here. That seems to, to lack across a lot of uh, business owners and whatnot. So, I mean, is that mentorship important and in, in really growing? I think it's uh, I think it's a super critical piece. And you, if you look at some basic tenets of of su successful companies, and when you're little, you're small. I mean, we don't pretend to be not what I used to be, right? <laughs> and but I know where we're going, and I know what our brand's capable of doing, and with big plans. So we're building a a structure, and a, a lot of the work we've done in the last few years is to build this platform that we could scale from yeah. in lots of ways, not just in products, but with the brand and the, the tech and human equity and things like that. But I think mentorship is critical, and I, uh, I was lucky. You know, I've been able to do a lot of really cool things in my life, and again, I've just been kind of lucky. But I was at an a, uh, event where some gentlemen were enshrined into the World Humanity Sports Hall of Fame, and Dikembe Mutombo 
uh, uh, was there. And I had a chance, I was one of the sponsors. I had a chance to meet them and, and back in my corporate life. And Dikembe Mutombo is seven foot one and he is size 23 foot. So I was sitting right in the front, front of the stage. There's a couple thousand people and he walked across the podium. I could just see these giant feet going by. And then he, he talks, he t- almost talks like he had his thorax injured. He has a really scratchy, but deep. I can't do the deep voice like he did. And he's from the People's Republic of Congo. And he told the story about uh, their humanitarians. So they do all these cool stuff. Kyle Petty Jr. was there and Edgar Martinez was there from the Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. He played his whole oh, yeah. career there, right? And they all had amazing things they did in their personal life. They'd be like, I didn't know that. Why would you know? Because they don't walk around and do Instagram posts and all this stuff. Dikembe Mutombo was building this hospital that he's funding in the People's Republic of Congo. He showed a picture of what a normal doctor's place was. And it looked like it was blue tarps over two by fours, you know, and mud and water. I mean, it's just terrible. And he showed a picture of the partially built hospital that he put $40 million of his own money into and had helped raise the rest because obviously he knows some people, right? And he, he said something that I'd never forgotten. He leaned over and of course he's twice the size of the podium, right? So even with the thing all the way up, he's leaning over talking to the microphone and in his scratchy, deep, resonating voice and he spoke slow, he said, no matter what size your foot is, always leave a bigger footprint after you leave. And I thought, he said it a little more eloquently. So over the years, I've forgotten it. But his point was this. You've got to leave a bigger mark than yourself. And I, I was just like, and he was, the guy's just a, just a gym. And, and so he embodied that. Uh, and I just, and I tell people that story whenever we, I get a chance to that, look, we, yes, we have to run a business. Yes, we have our families. Uh, yes, we have our personal life. Yes, we have our teammates or employees, whatever you want to call them. We have our customers. We have three basic pillars in our company. Our suppliers are very, very important to us. We, we have some coffee farms that go back 20-something years that we've been doing business with. Uh, places we get our green and black teas from China. Uh, we have newer relationships, too, because we've grown. Um, so they're a key part of what we do, and we, we do our very, very best, have great relationships with them, um, our people. And obviously, we've got a tenure in our building that's pretty impressive for a small business. And then our clients. And you know we're very fortunate. We, we lose some sometimes, and sometimes but we, we gain a lot more than we lose. And they, they'll go and see four or five different places. And because our brand, going back a couple of years, be like, yeah, we never heard of you. Somebody said we should go see the Colt, the Colt, right? Colt, and they come in. And then they would be like, we're so glad we came. And the couple of things they say is, your place is really clean. And we're like, yeah, well, we get federally inspected because we have big clients that we serve. And even then, even that, so that you don't think we're super cool when we do it, we do it because they kind of make us, but we're also, we, we audit, we pay them to come in and audit us. And if we don't pass the inspection, then we can't do this, you know, this yeah. big business. So that's one thing. The second thing is you guys aren't like snobs. I said, no, we like to be experts. We don't want to ever be snobs. We got people that know a lot but they love what they do and they want you to love it too. And we don't want you to feel like you don't know what we know because we'll happily share our knowledge with you and come spend as much time as you want and we'll walk you through and we'll show you how we roast and pack and all this stuff. And then the third thing they say is, well, some of the other guys said that you guys are just as big institutional, but this is the best product we've had out of the five places we've gone to. So it just shows that what the, the passion and, the, and the, what we put into and the, what the people do, that the, that the process works. So we know that works so that we can scale it. And so- if you're, you know, like this cold brew can, it, you know, you build a package to hopefully get somebody's attention, but if the product inside is not great, they probably, they might get another one, but they won't get a third or fourth. Yeah. So the product has to be great. They, you, you have to, our goal is to get trial as in once we get trial, the product has to stand on its own. People got to go, hey, this is awesome. And they become an evangelist and they want the cult sticker and hoodie and beanie and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. No, couldn't, couldn't agree more. And, and that being said, I mean, you guys, you're working a lot right now. What does the next six to 12 months look like for you? I think, uh, you know, working on something special. Uh, well, we, 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 yeah, we got a bunch of things going on. We, we are in the process right now of launching a product that's technology that we've licensed with the company that created it. It's a coffee single, just like a hot tea. Uh, comes in a little packet. You take it out, you put it in hot water. Anywhere you are, any place, anywhere, anytime. You've got coffee. So people may go like, oh, yeah, well, that's not new. Well, it, actually, it is new. The technology is amazing. First of all, all the packaging is compostable. The whole thing can go in your garden, including the sachet inside that holds the coffee. It's got patents on it. It's a very, very special process, which is why we agreed to partner with them. Um, they have other coffee roasters they deal with, but they wanted to work with us because they like our vision where we're going. 
and the it's our coffee. So we roast our coffee. They take it through their special process and package it. And I have to tell you that it's a function of probably a hundred X better than a pod or a K cup or something really? literally. So is there, are there any other competitors that have this type of basically you dunk it and there are some other companies that make something similar. Um, we totally completely feel like this technology is the absolute best. And so we're running with it really hard. We're showing it locally. Uh, Fry's is going to be bringing it in, which is a great client of ours uh, as, as a coffee partner. Um, but we're showing it to like big outdoor sporting yeah. goods places. We're showing it to national mass grocery places. We're showing it to national specialty grocery places. We've got, I can't give all the secrets away, but we've got some really, really neat <laughs> things that we're doing and it's in play right now, but it's a really fun product and it's new technology for the coffee industry. So a little bit of adoption you can see on the, box we you know we put a we put a yeah. the first one we did we're like oh, i don't think people are getting it uh -huh. so we put a coffee on here and it you know great for home and office road trips dorm rooms hiking hunting fishing camping your rv hotels anywhere anytime and then some of the cool things about it, it's ethically sourced it's compostable all that then a quick, easy little picture yeah. so easy to make all you need is hot water and a wow. cup so you think about it on your boat i mean anywhere private pilot i got two guys at work yeah. our owners flies his own plane our cfo has his own plane they have a hard time with coffee, right? So now you can just bring a thermos hot water. Bloop, you got coffee anywhere that's you are. Amazing. Throw it in your backpack and you're good to go. So that's really cool. Um, we do some really interesting collabs too. Like I, I, some people may be thinking, well, what the heck is a Mother Road Brewing Company <laughs> growler doing on here? Yep. Well, the founder and CEO, uh, Michael, showed up at our place yesterday. We do some collaborative work with them, with a bunch of people, but them in particular is one of them. And he showed up and goes, hey, we played around, made a beer, coffee beer with some of your coffee uh and uh, we thought we'd share some with you and so i brought it in today so yeah we you the crew can try it um we actually have uh bj's brew house a big client of ours across the nation and they won a bronze medal in, a, in the great american beer festival making a coffee beer with one of our coffees wow. and they're so enthusiastic about it they're canning it and they're putting our label on the can that's amazing them. that is amazing that's huge brand awareness huge. for you guys and they have a beer club they just launched they've got thousands of members already and then santan brewery which is one of our you know local favorites in arizona they're also a distillery and so we had somebody come and said hey can you guys make a coffee liqueur we're like no we don't do liquor but we do coffee but we know somebody that can yeah so we yeah. brought them in and we've been working on it for a few months well they finally produced a test batch and it was freakishly good so they're going to go to production Santan's going to produce a coffee liqueur and they're going to co-brand with us on their, that they, they, they do a really cool old fashioned bottle with their label on it and they're going to co-brand with us on there. And, uh, so, you know, we do, we have a lot of things like that going on. And then we've, our, we have a product that's called a botanical infusion. It's like a tea that we've been serving in a, in a brewed format. As a matter of fact, I brought some today. Um, and it's, this is just, this is just a bottle out of this. We don't serve it this way or sell it this yeah. way, but it's for food service. They just like iced tea, you brew a big batch of iced tea and you serve it to your guests. They brew this. And so it's, it's a long story. I won't take your time to go through uh, what a client asks us. Can you make something that's caffeine free? We did, and they were like, eh, we're good. But we, we were like, this is really good. So about six years ago, we took it and ran with it and exploded. So botanical infusion is a product we make. It's like a tea. There's no tea in it, though. So it's naturally caffeine-free. It's always uh, chemical-free, and it's naturally sugar-free. So you get this beautiful, clean, yeah, natural beverage, right? And we do a whole bunch of them. So we've done it in a brew format. It went crazy. We now put it in kegs. It went crazy. We do about five in kegs. And then people have been telling us, hey, you got to bottle that. So we got a big project going on mm -hmm. now, uh, which we're going to bottle it probably at the end of this year, mid, mid late of this year, we'll roll it out and, we'll, and it'll be a national launch. It'll be a literally, we'll launch it across America. How pumped are you guys? Uh, terrified. <laughs> all right. Yeah, uh, but yeah. for all the good, re all the right yeah, reasons, because yeah. it, it, we, and we think it's a, let's just put it this way, the total addressable market, taking out sodas and bottled water, all the rest of the stuff in between. Enhanced waters, sports drinks, yeah. teas, flavored teas, all that hint, buy, all those cat products is about $150 billion a year. Wow. That's how big the market is. Tastes better, better for you. I mean, and it's it, healthier. It, yeah. And the label's clean, 100% clean. The way we produce it, they don't have to add anything to it. There's no sorbic, nothing. It's 100% the real deal. And the kicker is it tastes good. So we're, we're super excited. And, and again, we, we know people love it. We've had it out for almost six years. And now we're putting it in a format that'll be a little new for us. Yeah. but uh, I think we're going to crush it. And I'm super proud of our company for having the guts to, to work on doing it. And I can't wait to introduce it to the world. And, and, uh, 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 so 
we're going to do this next six, 12 months for us is as most of my life, my learning curve has been vertical. It's not changing anytime soon. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're trying to keep everybody calm and focused on the day to day, but at the same time working on some of these big projects and, and we're probably going to come up with another, another fla a flavored cold brew, but we don't pasteurize ours, which a lot of companies do. And you can't reheat coffee because it tastes blah. And there's a chemical process it goes through. And so we're trying to figure out how can we do that, but still get a, you know, extended shelf life so that, so that it can go through the supply chain. So it's all those things that go into, into production that go into those decisions. And so, um, that's, uh, that's exciting. You guys are definitely working yeah, on some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's you know long weeks and yeah. six to eight weeks and yeah. nights and all that stuff but that's what you do i mean that's you think Rise about repeat. hey I mean, you know when you watch the movie rocky did he just work out on tuesdays and thursdays <laughs> no he was up day. early he was out late and every day and he did the right thing you know it's a it's a silly metaphor probably but or a comparison but uh you know you got to work hard to be great yep no i i completely agree and that's why people like you on here and that's why the show's called rise ground repeat i mean it, it takes hard work and it takes uh you know, good decision making, but I mean, ultimately, it's 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 hard work to grow a big business, and so you know that that being said, you have so much wisdom when it comes to I mean, small business, corporations, just kind of leading a brand into kind of what what the vision is. Knowing that most of the the listeners are are entrepreneurs, small business owners, what I guess is one big piece of advice that you'd have to give them as as they're trying to grow their business and brand. I mean, what is something that you commonly see people get stuck in? Um, that might help me get to the next level. That's a great question. Um, I think people can get blind, get blinded by their passion a little bit. So passion is a great thing, but blind passion, blind passion is Jim Jones. <laughs> and what does that mean? And that that you're gonna go. You're you're so focused and locked on that you can't pivot, you can't shift. And again, go back to COVID, people had to 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 do this immediate evolution or potentially risk going out of business, right? And a lot of people did, sadly. It's, it's just, again, it's heart-wrenching. Um, and so as a, as a founder, owner, as a creator of something, you, got, you have to be really, really smart, but you also have to be willing to look at the brutal facts. The book, Good to Great, I don't know anybody in this room has read it, but I read it, it came out in 2000. Uh, Jim Collins and a few people wrote it. Good to Great, great book. A business premise book. Uh, I have a million notes in mind, but he said that people, most companies are afraid to lift the rock and look at the squiggly things under the rocks. They just put it back down real quick and pretend like they didn't see it. And you have to be able to do that. And it stinks when you see something in your business, whether you're a big business, medium size or small, as you know, a person or a process or something that's not right. You have to address it because it will take you down if you don't. Yeah. Or it will, you may have success, but you'll never reach your potential. Yeah. And everything's about reaching potential. Everything's about maximizing what you're able to do. And then as an owner, you got to decide, you know, what, do I, what, is, what do I want out of this? And that, that will temper uh, what you put into it, right? Because I've got the friends in the insurance business or whatever. They work 30 hours a week. They make, you know, huge six-figure income. They could double up and like, eh, we're happy. Good for you. Yeah. You know, God bless you, man. That's, that's a great place to be. Yeah. And so now you don't have to like charge Mount Kilimanjaro. But if that's what you want to do, if you want to create a brand that's going to be a national brand, if you want to create a brand, a company that's going to everybody and in, in, in you're in Phoenix can say, oh, we love Dustin's place. Yeah. That is, you got to work for it. You yeah. and and, and uh, uh, be committed to the purpose, but be willing to to alter the your map. you I'm here. We're going to go there because the the here there thing they both change a little bit. Yeah. Right. Constantly evolving. I mean, running the business is a living breathing thing, and I think oh. to. To your point, it's it's having that vision, keeping your head down, accomplishing that, but continue moving that 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 yardstick back. And I think uh, and, it's, and it's hard for people in charge, that owners and CEOs and stuff, to, to to go and say, "Hey, what do you think?" To their leader, the people in their building, because they really don't want to hear. Sometimes it's yeah, like, yeah. "I'm just going to make some of these decisions." They're like, "Boss, you're 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 taking us over a cliff." Yeah. So it's hard to do. It's hard for me. To, it's hard for everybody to do. And then you got to, then you can't be run by committee either. So it's like this really, it's this it's a really feathered approach. Right. Yeah. No, this has been great. It's been awesome learning, you know, a bit about your history, <laughs> what, what you're doing, but more importantly, what you guys are doing at Colt. Like I said, it's, it's, uh, I love Arizona I'm native and, and anything that comes from Arizona is just, I, I love it. And so love seeing what you guys are doing. I have no doubt that you guys are going to crush, you know, the, uh, new products you guys are releasing, especially the botanicals. It'll be, it'll be awesome. So, I mean, if someone is new to Colt, this is the first time they've heard, heard you know, the brand. How can they find you or how can they find uh, uh, the products? Well, it's a good, great question. So, our, our retail coffees, this is a wholesale food service bag, not a retail bag. But our retail coffees and 
our K cups are in pretty much every fries store in Arizona. There's a few that aren't in because they're really small formatted stores. Uh, they'll they'll be able to purchase the steep this coffee singles from Colt um, in uh, fries period four, which they do a like in between month kind of period thing. Fry's a great partner. We love Fry's. They treated us really well. We've done a really good job for them. So they're allowing us, you know, you use them as a launch pad. Um, we'll, we'll see this out in a lot of our retail partners, our resort partners. You can go on our website, uh, www.ilovecult.com. It's just like that. Yeah. Uh, it's super easy and, and see, you know, some of our different clients in town and different people do different things. They have different, you know, businesses that they have and, yeah. And but if you want our coffees, you can get our you can get it in the bulk, in the big bulk bin, or you can get it in a bag and get the you can get the K cups. We have three different great K cups. Get the steep the the coffee singles, the steep technology. Um, and if you want iced tea or a keg, a botanical, we're it's all over the valley. So you just have to kind of go figure out. Wildflower Bread Company is a great partner of ours. We do all their brewed beverages. Biscuits Cafe is a great partner of ours. Um, I'm going to leave a bunch of people out and I'm going to be in trouble. Upward Projects, which is Postino's is a brand most people oh, yeah, know. Yeah. We do all of their custom stuff comes oh, from our really? place. And they're just a great group of people. And a slew, yeah, uh, Barrio Cafe, Barrio Queen, a slew. Very proud to say that uh, last spring we brought on the Arizona Cardinals as that a client. Cool. And their corporate offices and their training center use all of our products. And they, uh, when they were five and two this year, we're like, hey, cold coffee, <laughs> yeah, whoop, whoop. And, you know, and didn't quite end that way, but, yeah, but a great yeah. group of people oh, yeah. in their food service side. And they brought 14 people into our building when they were looking wow. at us. Strength coaches, uh, uh, the, the, the health and wellness and yeah. food service. And what an amazing group. And I think at that level, you have to be an amazing person to work in an organization like that. And clearly Bidwells know what they're doing. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we just, we love, we love what they do and we love that they love our products. And so that's leading to some other things. We got a bunch of stuff on the books. I can't really talk yeah. about just yet. We'll have to do a follow-up like uh, yeah. six to 12 months from now and just kind of, yeah, we got some other retail partners that are close to busting loose and that everybody is listening to this will know who they are and, and stuff like that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, we're all about rise grinding and repeating. So we'll have to get some kegs and put them in here. That's for uh, sure. Yeah, that'd be great. But really thank you so much for your time and, uh, just sharing your, your history. I'm excited to see where you guys go. I'm very honored. And I, I appreciate you and your, your crew inviting us in and putting up with me for however long. It's probably longer than it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's always refreshing talking to you. You're quick. You're to the point. It's it's yeah. Yeah. The conversations are always great. Yeah. I'll just pretend like you mean it. So we'll just say, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> appreciate it, Hans. You got it, brother.